0: Chapter 17 of Ox Team Days on the Oregon Trail. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Ox Team Days on the Oregon Trail by Ezra Meeker and Howard Drakes. Chapter 17 Finding My People. On leaving my newly found friends, I faced a discouraging prospect. The start for the high, arid tablelands bordering the Yakima Valley cut me loose from all communication no more immigrants were met until i reached the main travelled route beyond the columbia river the road lay through a forbidding sage plain or rather an undulating country covered by shifting sands and dead grass and comparatively scant growth as the sun rose the heat became intolerable the dust in places brought vivid memories of the trip across the plains strive against it as i might my eyes would strain at the horizon to catch a glimpse of the expected train then an intolerable thirst seized upon me and compelled me to leave the road and descend into the valley for water i dared not linger off the trail and take the chances of missing the expected train so i went through another stretch of travel of heat and thirst that lasted until during the afternoon when i found water on the trail tethering my pony for his much-needed dinner i opened my sack of hard bread to count the contents My store was half gone. I lay down in the shade of a small tree near the spring to take an afternoon nap. Rousing before sundown, refreshed, Bobby and I took the trail with new courage. When night came, I could not find it in my heart to camp. The cool of the evening invigorated the pony, and we pushed on, finding that the road could be followed, though but dimly seen. I kept on the trail until a late hour, when I unsaddled and hobbled the pony the saddle blanket was brought into use and i was soon off in dreamland forgetting all about the dust the trail or the morrow in the morning i awoke to find that the pony had wandered off on the hillside so far in fact that it required close scanning to discover him to make matters worse his hobbles had become loosened giving him free use of all his feet and he was in no mood to take the trail again coaxing was of no avail driving would do no good taking an opportunity to seize his tail i followed him around about over the plain and through the sagebrush at a rapid gait finally he slackened pace and i again became master for the life of me i could not be sure of the direction of the trail after all this roaming over the plain at bobby's heels but i happened to take the right course when the trail was found there was the saddle to look for and this was located with some difficulty the sun was high when we started our journey a few hundred yards of travel brought uneasiness as it was evident that we were not on the regular trail not knowing but this was some cut-off i went on until the columbia river bluff was reached and the great river was in sight half a mile distant and several hundred feet lower taking the trail down the bluff that seemed more promising than the wagon tracks i began to search for the road at the foot of the bluff only to find every semblance of a road gone. I had lost more than a half a day's precious time and again was thrown in anxiety, lest I had missed the long-sought train. The next incident that I remember vividly was my attempt to cross the Columbia. Just below the mouth of the Snake River, I had seen but a few Indians on the whole trip, and, in fact, the camp I found there on the bank of the Great River was the first I distinctly remember coming upon i could not induce the indians to cross me over they seemed surly and unfriendly their behavior was so in contrast to that of the indians on the sound that i could not help wondering what it meant no one to my knowledge lost his life at the hands of the indians that season but the next summer all or nearly all the travelers who ventured into that country and protected were murdered that night i camped late opposite Wallula or fort walla walla in a sandstorm of great fury i tethered my pony this time and rolled myself up in the blanket only to find myself fairly buried in the drifting sand in the morning it required a great effort to creep out of the blanket and an even greater effort to free the blanket from the accumulated sand by this time the wind had gone down and comparative calm prevailed then came the attempt to make myself heard across the wide river by the people of the fort I traveled up and down the river bank for half a mile or so, in the hope of catching a favorable breeze, to carry my voice to the fort, yet all to no avail. I sat upon the bank hopelessly discouraged, not knowing what to do. I must have been two hours hallooing at the top of my voice until I was hoarse from the violent effort. Finally, while sitting there wondering what to do, I spied a blue smoke arising from a cabin on the other side soon after i saw a man he immediately responded to my renewed efforts to attract attention the trouble had been that the people were all asleep while i was there in the early morning expending my breath for nothing the man was Shirley ensign of olympia who had established a ferry across the columbia river and had lingered to set over belated immigrants if any should come along he came across the river and gave me glad tidings he'd been out on the trail fifty miles or more and had met my people They were camped some thirty miles away, he thought, and they would reach the ferry the following day. But I could not wait there for them. Procuring a fresh horse, I started out in a cheerful mood, determined to reach camp that night, if I could possibly do so. Sundown came, and there was no sign of camp. Dusk came on, and still no signs. Then I spied some cattle grazing on the upland, and soon came into the camp in a ravine that had shut it from view. Rejoicing, and outbursts of grief followed i inquired for my mother the first thing she was not there months before she had been buried in the sands of the platte valley my younger brother also lay buried on the plains near independence rock the scene that followed is too sacred memory to write about when we came to consider how the party should proceed i advised the over mountain trip but i cautioned them to expect some snow and much hard work how long will it take they asked about three weeks this brought disappointment they had thought they were about through with the journey you came to stay with us didn't you i want to but what about my wife and the two babies at the island father said some one must go and look after them so oliver was sent ahead while i was to take his place and help the immigrants through the netches pass in our train were fifty or more head of stock seven wagons and seventeen people we made the trip across the divide in twenty-two days without serious mishap or loss This was a good time considering the difficulties that beset our way at every step every man literally put his shoulder to the wheel we were compelled often to take hold of the wheels to boost the wagons over the logs or to ease them down steep places our forces were divided into three groups one man to each wagon to drive four to act as wheelmen father and the women on foot or horseback to drive the stock god bless the women folk of the plains nobler braver more uncomplaining souls were never known i have often thought that someone ought to write a just tribute to their valor and patience a book of their heroic deeds one day we encountered a newly fallen tree cocked up on its own upturned roots four feet from the ground go around it we could not to cut it out with our dulled flimsy saw seemed an endless task dig down boys said father and in short order every available shovel was out of the wagons very soon the way was opened fully four feet deep and oxen and wagons passed under the obstruction do you say that we endured great hardships that depends on the point of view as to this return trip i can truly say for myself that it was not one of hardship i enjoyed overcoming the difficulties and so did the greater number of the company many of them it is true were weakened by the long trip across the plains but better food was obtainable and the goal was near at hand it was a positive pleasure therefore to pass over the miles one by one assured that final success was a matter of only a short time when our little train at last emerged from the forest and came out into the nesqually plains it was almost as if we had come into a noonday sun from a dungeon so marked was the contrast hundreds of cattle sheep and horses were quietly grazing scattered over the landscape as far as one could see the spirits of the tired party rose as they looked upon this scene indicating a contentment and prosperity in which they might participate if they so desired our cabin eighteen feet square could not hold all the visitors however it was an easy matter to set up the three tents they had brought with them and for several days we held a true reunion great was the feasting with clam bakes huckleberry pies and pudding venison for meat and fresh vegetables from our garden at which the newcomers could not cease from marveling the row of sweet peas that my wife had planted near the cabin helped to put heart into those travel-weary pioneers where flowers could be planted a home could be made for a short time the little party halted to take breath and to look over the new country this rest however could not last long preparations must be made without delay for shelter from the coming storms of winter the stock must be cared for and other beginnings made for a new life of independence. After surveying the situation, Father said the island home would not do. He had come two thousand miles to live neighbors. I must give up my claim and take up another near his on the mainland. Abandoning the results of more than a year's hard work, I acted upon his request, and across the bay we built our third cabin. End of chapter 13 Recording by Lyle Wilson, Haymarket, Virginia, October 2009